Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Dear ladies, we continue our wonderful description of the baby in the womb from Psalm 139. I'd like to read to you Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5. As you do not know how the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. The scripture talks about God making the bones in the womb of the mother. And we talked about that last time and how God creates the bones of the boy baby stronger than the female. And yet God who knows all things and his plan, the way he wants to live, he made the male uh, with stronger bones. He has 50% more brute strength than women. But he made the woman, uh, although she doesn't have that same physical strength, he, he gave her another strength and he has put within her an ability to uh, be able to often resist uh, infection and diseases. Of course, we can all succumb to sickness, but somehow we will get through it in a way that often males can't. A little when there's stress at the birth of a baby, if it's a male, um, it's it's more, um, what's the word, scary, because a little baby girl will always survive um, more than a, than a um, male baby. There's something about a survival in the woman right from birth. This is right from birth. And uh, the I think God has just done that because a mother needs to have that survival ability as she has to care for her children in the home and even when she does feel ill and sick somehow she just has to keep going Uh, not in maybe the same way that she usually does but somehow she just has to keep going I know you've been through that I've been through that so many times but God enables us now did you notice in that scripture I read You don't know how the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. Do you notice those words? With child. This is how the Bible describes a woman being pregnant. In Genesis 16, 11, the angel said to Hagar, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son. When Tamar was having a baby, it says she was with child. In Exodus, it says if men strive and hurt a woman with child, he shall be surely punished, talking about a woman who is pregnant. Uh, In Isaiah 26, 17, like as a woman with child that draws near to her time of delivery, and uh, so uh, many, many other scriptures. I love that, don't you? God speaks the truth. God speaks 
as things actually are. He knows that when a woman conceives, from that moment she is with child. And the little child, the little baby that comes from, forth from her womb, it was a child even from that very beginning. It's the same person who will grow up one day to be married and have children of their own. So I think it's good to get the right language, don't you? I think also of another wonderful uh, word in, in is it Second Timothy, I think. Let me check it here. Um, Second Timothy, yes. Second Timothy 3.15. And Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, and that from a child, he uses this word child here, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, how old was Timothy when Paul says, from a child, you knew the Holy Scriptures? How old was he? Well, we don't really know, of course, but it's interesting to find more scriptures about that word. In the Greek, it's the word brephos, B-R-E-P-H-O-S, and it's used in other places. It's used of Jesus, um, when he was in the womb and it, it talks about the babe in the womb and it's the word brephos so that word can can uh, mean a baby in the womb it talks about Jesus again when the angel said to the shepherds you will find the babe lying in a manger and that word babe is brephos and so this word can mean a baby in the womb, a baby who is just born, and a child who is a little older, perhaps toddler or just getting even a little older. And so God sees that child. He uses the same word for the child in the womb as he does as a child who can know and learn the scriptures. So there we are reminded again. All right, let's continue, shall we, uh, with our finding out what God says about how he creates the baby. Now, this time we are going to read verse 15 again. When I was made in secret. Yes, when I was made in secret. Wow. What does that mean? That means God secretly makes us. God secretly creates the baby. The New Living Translation says, formed in utter seclusion. Now, the word secret is the Hebrew word seither, S-A-Y-T-H-E-R, and this is what it means. Covering, hiding place, protection, secret place, sheltered place. Here is another word. We've already read how God covered us in the womb. But here 
it, it's even more. It, it's not just covering, but it, it's a secret place, a hiding place. Now, what is a hiding place, ladies? When you children play hide and seek, they go away and hide and they want to hide so that nobody can find them. A hiding place is somewhere where someone can't find us. A secret place, the same. It, it's secret from everybody else. And uh, so this is what the word says. I think we've sort of forgotten this scripture uh, in our modern day society because with the development of science, we now have ultrasound and now it has become normal for women who are with child to go monthly and get their ultrasound and check out what's happening. And of course, when they get to that time when they can find out the sex of the baby, they're going in to make sure they find out what this baby is going to be. But I wonder about all these things. I am such a stickler for the word of God that I always come back to it. Now, of course, I will concede that ultrasound uh, is a modern science that can help save babies and uh, often it can be a wonderful blessing to help save a baby's life. Although sadly, it can often be the opposite. Today, many women, when they have an ultrasound, will be told that there is something wrong with their baby. There's something that's not quite right. And uh, two things happen there. Number one, this can bring such a dampening upon the pregnancy, such worries, such fears. Instead of the pregnancy being a time of joy and wonder, the couple are overcome with fears and desperation. Or it can even be worse because usually today doctors will say, well, you can terminate this baby if you want. We can do an abortion and so many will do this. If it's not perfection, they want to terminate the baby. How sad. How many babies are terminated, killed, because an ultrasound showed something that was perhaps not the norm. And yet, there are others, of course, who hold on to life, who know life is precious, that life comes from God. And no matter what any doctor says or what any ultrasound shows, they will keep their baby. Sometimes the baby is born with a problem, but this baby is still so precious, so precious. This is life, life from God. But many other times these babies are born and the problem that they saw in the womb is no longer there. The babies are born perfectly. I had had many testimonies of mothers who have shared this. And so, on one hand, ultrasound can be a blessing. On the other hand, it can be used to end the life of many babies. And 
Often these babies would be born perfectly. You see, you see, lovely ladies, God is creating the baby in secret. God is the creator. He's doing it his way in his time. Yes, well, we have science that says, yes, this happens at this time and this happens at this time in the womb. But I don't think it's always exact. God just is doing his work and we must trust him. But, okay, as I said, I do concede that there are times when this can be a saving of life. But I do wonder about just having to have another ultrasound to find the sex of the baby, to pry into this hidden place, to pry into this secret place, to pry into what God is doing. There are many great artists who will not allow anyone to see their painting until it is finished. There are many great sculpturers who will not allow anyone to see their masterpiece until it is finished. And I think God is like that. Now, ladies, I'm not condemning anyone who's going to do that because I know that, my, we just, we're like sheep. We just give in to what everyone does. And now everybody just goes and finds out the sex of the baby. In fact, the the sex of the baby and the name of the baby is often brandished all over social media before the baby is even born. But can I just put a little thought in your hearts? Can we really just take notice of the word that God creates in secret? And I think one of the reasons is that God loves surprises. He loves surprises. He, he, this is where we get this um, idea of giving surprises to your children. I love, as a parent, I've always loved to give surprises. Christmas time. Oh, my, if my children found out what I was giving them for Christmas, I didn't even feel like giving it to them. Oh, everything was secret in our place at Christmas time. Everybody was hiding their gifts and we all had to keep them secret because it was so exciting when they found out what they were going to get. If they just knew, well, oh, well, they just get it. There's no suspense. There's there's no surprise. There's no excitement. And I, I think God loves that. Even just in daily life, I would often give my children surprises when they were little. If they were all getting, you know, grisly and upset and, you know, they weren't happy. I said, children, I want you to all go and hide behind the sofas. So they'd go and they'd find a little hiding place. And then I would make them a special little uh, plate uh, of some snacks. Because often a few little snacks will just, it's amazing how it will change their behavior. And I would make some little cut apples or cheese or raisins or some special little cookies and arrange them in a smiley face or in some other little shape and make it look really attractive. And then I say, okay, time for surprise. And so uh, they would all come out running and here was their surprise. I'd do something different each time and they were so excited. It was just such a little surprise. But children love surprises. 
And I believe that God loves to give us a surprise. He's waiting. He's creating this masterpiece. Because every precious baby is a divine masterpiece. And he just want, he can't wait to give this gift to us. And he's waiting so that we can have this surprise. But, of course, we already know. And um, God can't give us that surprise. So... Um, I think it's something to really think about. But you say, well, goodness me, how can we even have our baby shower? I want to know the sex of the baby so I can do the baby's room and just make it the right color. And everybody needs to know what they can bring me for gifts for my baby shower. Well, back when I was having my babies, way back then, all those years ago, it was either blue for boys or pink for girls. But today... Babies wear all kinds of colors, so we're not need, we don't need to rely so specifically on the colors. And the other thing was that back uh, in our day, we never, ever had a baby shower before the baby was born. We always had the baby shower after the baby was born. And there's something special about that, too, because then you can celebrate the baby. Everybody can see the baby and then they know what it is and can bring the appropriate gift to you. That's another thing, too, about the surprises. Uh, When you know someone you know well is having a baby and you know, you know what sex it is, you know what the name is, and then they have the baby and you hear, oh, They've had their baby. Oh, great. Oh, well, that's wonderful. But there's not the same intensity of suspense and surprise. Oh, what is it? What is it? And there's something so amazing about finding out what is this baby going to be? Is it a boy or a girl? And even to find out the name is exciting too. So we kind of save ourselves having a lot of wonderful surprises, don't we? Yes, now I better give you some more scriptures where the same word is used, this word savor. Let's see. Uh, Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Well, If God is wanting to hide us and protect us and cover us in a secret place, do you think everybody wants to pry into that secret place? No. Psalm 31.30, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of men. These are all the same Hebrew words of how God creates the baby secretly. Psalm 32.7, Thou art my hiding place. Psalm 61.4, I will abide in the thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert or the shelter. That's the same word, savor, of thy wings. It's good to see other scriptures, isn't it, where the same word is used because it gives us the full understanding and we know what it really means. All right, ladies, did you get that? I wonder if you'll think about it. Do you think you could really last out for God's surprise at the end? I wonder if you could. Now, the next one. God 
skillfully creates us. Verse 15. I was skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Can I give you some other translations? God's word translation. Skillfully woven in an underground workshop. I like that. The New English translation. I was sewed together. The contemporary English version says, I was secretly woven together out of human sight. The English uh, uh, translation, English, ESV, uh, says intricately woven together. Another translation says embroidered with great skill. Another, when I was wrought with a needle in the depths of the earth. This is a very poetic description. It's, it's a po- poetic description of God sewing together the veins and the sinews and the muscles and the nerves. Um, A beautiful tapestry. In fact, one writer says, what tapestry can equal the human fabric? Now, what is the Hebrew word? It's rakim, R-A-Q-A-M, and it means to variegate color, to embroider, to do needlework. Okay, ladies, this scripture, sorry, this word, this Hebrew word, is only used nine times in the scripture. Here in Psalm 139, I was skillfully woven. And all the other uh, times uh, speak of needlework or embroidery. Six times it translates needlework, two times embroidery. God was the first embroiderer. And he creates us with needlepoint accuracy. But something even more wonderful, ladies. Oh, I want you to get this. This, every time, the other eight times this Hebrew word is used, it's only used in the context of the tabernacle. God's sacred dwelling place and this time in God's sacred place of the womb where he creates the baby where he sews it together with his divine needlework all these scriptures are in in the environment of the sacred place Isn't that wonderful? And God chose Bezalel and Oholiab to work in the tabernacle, to embroider the priest's clothes and the curtains of the temple. And they, it was so intricate. They, uh, it was very, very, very intricate work. And um, they actually couldn't do it. Uh, unless God was with them. And let me see. Yes, I, I've got um, some scriptures here. 
Exodus 28:29 ESV, you shall weave the coat in checkerwork of fine linen, and you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash embroidered with needlework. Uh, and this was talking about the high priest's garments. But they couldn't do this. Bezalel and Oholiab were not able to do it unless God was with them. And so God filled, the Bible says in Exodus 35, God filled both Bezalel and Oholiab with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship. It goes on to say he filled them with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer. God filled them with his spirit to enable them to do it because they were doing something for the sacred inner sanctuary and it had to be so perfect just as God perfectly, skillfully uh, creates the baby uh, in the womb. Now, another amazing thing here. Uh, as I said, this this all happened. The, all the other references to this needlework and embroidery was all for the tabernacle, the holy place where God dwelt in his Shekinah glory. Now, when uh, God told Moses how to build the tabernacle, uh, he told him how to build the Holy of Holies. And in 1 Kings 6.16, he told him to make an inner sanctuary, the most holy place. And where did he tell him to do it? At the far end of the temple. Actually, this scripture is now um, catapulting uh, to the time of Solomon because now we're no longer in the tabernacle. Now, Solomon is building a temple. It's the, it's the same pattern as the tabernacle, but now it's the temple. Exactly the same pattern. But he is doing it at the far end of the temple. The Amplified Version says at the very rear of the temple. The word in the Hebrew is Eureka, which means in the very recesses in the inner part and so God wanted uh, he wanted his holy of holies not to be out in the open not to be there where everybody could just come in and and uh, just there was God no Oh, no, when you came into the tabernacle or the temple, first of all, there was the uh, brazen altar where they sacrificed the animals. And then you went into the holy place. And then you went into the holy of holies, the very far end. It was secluded. It was at the end. It was hidden because God was in the hidden place. And... Uh, it's amazing how this is how he talks about the womb. It's in the hidden part of the womb. And it's not one of the outward limbs of the body. No, it's the hidden part. It's a sacred place 
where God works. That's why it's sacred. That's why it's hidden. But because this is where God works. When a baby is conceived, God is working in his sacred sanctuary of the womb to create a life in his image. And wondrously, this same word, Eureka, that was used for making the Holy of Holies at the very far end of the temple, God uses it of the woman in the home. I was just so amazed when I saw this. In Psalm 128, verse 3, it talks about the woman in the home. Your wife is like a fruitful vine within your home, your children like olive plants all around your table. Now the word your wife is like a fruitful vine in the heart of your home. It's Eureka, in the recesses, in the inner part. This is where God wants us to be stationed, in that inner recesses of the home. Of course, we're going to go out, we've got to go and get our groceries, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. But this is where our heart is. This is where we mainly live. This is where we make life. This is where we raise our children. This is where we make our home a sanctuary. We are in this hidden part of the home. Now, not everybody's seeing what we're doing, but we are doing a powerful work, just like the womb is hidden. It's a sacred sanctuary. And yet, although it's hidden, it is one of the most powerful places on earth because this is where each life comes forth to fill the world with great blessing and great inventions and great discoveries and and to bring God and his love and his revelation and his truth to the world. It all comes from the womb, this hidden place. But out from the hidden place comes life that goes into the world. And then it's the same in our home as we raise our children in our home, in this eureka, in the recesses, in this this heart of the home. But out from the heart of the home, we send children to impact the world. Isn't it just amazing? Oh, darling ladies, Never despise your womb. It is the greatest gift God has given to you in your body to bring forth life, to bring forth an eternal soul. Don't speak disparagingly. Don't speak negatively about your womb or your womanly functions. Because that can bring a curse upon your womb. Satan is out to destroy the wombs of women, to bring curses upon them, to bring sicknesses upon them. We mustn't give the enemy one little inch because he can take a mile. Only speak positively about your womb. Even to go around as so many women do. And you may ask them, oh, do you plan to have any more children? They may have one or two. And, oh, you're perhaps wanting to have another one. Oh, no, I'm done. I mean, what is that saying 
I, I, I don't like my womb. Oh, goodness me, I've, we've put a stop to that. We, we, we don't embrace our womb. Oh, no, goodness me, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Is it really part of my body? Well, if it is, I'm going to make sure it doesn't work. What are we doing? We're speaking against God's creation and against purposes that he has to bring forth children from our womb. Do watch how you speak about your womb. It is so powerful. All right. Now we haven't even finished the scripture yet. It's amazing. Let me get my glasses. Okay. I was made in secret. I was skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Now here we have another very poetic description. Um, the lowest part of the earth also speaks of darkness. And because God works in the dark, although um, light can come into the womb, especially as you go out into the sun, light can penetrate the womb. But the womb is primarily dark. But the wonderful thing is, ladies, that God is able to work in the darkness as well as the light. I mean, what does it say in Psalm 139? This is the, exactly the same psalm. In verse 2, it says, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as in the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Daniel said, He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So darkness is like light to God. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't even change. And ladies, that speaks to us too. In our dark times, in our difficult times, sometimes uh, we go through dark times. You may be going through a dark place in your life. And uh, I want you to know, I want you to know that even when you're going through a dark time, that God knows and uh, he is with you, and he can bring light to you. The darkness, it's, it's not darkness to him. He will bring light to you, even in the darkness. Amen. Well, let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you again for your word, for your revelation, and uh, showing us just what you do in the womb. We praise you and we bless you. And I pray today for every mother, for every wife, for every daughter, every grandmother. I pray that you will pour out your blessing upon them today. I pray that you'll draw them closer and closer to your truth, that they will be those who seek after truth, that they will love your word, they will love truth. And, oh God, I pray that you will raise them up to be heralders and uh, raise the banner of truth in their lives, in their homes, and wherever they go. Oh God, it's time in this hour in which we live to be truth speakers, uh, speaking out your truth, making it known to our children and wherever we go. Please, we ask 
that you will anoint us to do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.